It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. And now there's 50 people in that room. How many of those people are going to come down with it? They're going to move to wherever they're going next. Things just move down the line. It's uh, exponential growth in situations like that, which is why we're in the period of social isolation. And so even if training camp opens in May and we have people who still have the virus, it's going to be difficult to move forward. First down. So we've had an official announcement from the CFL that the training camp schedule has been delayed indefinitely, and that can only mean one thing, that the 2020 season is going to be delayed as well. Absolutely, Don. Uh, we know now that it won't be starting on time, um, and there's a question of whether or not, and we've discussed this before, whether or not indeed we'll have a season or not. It is a question on a lot of people's minds. We're all kind of debating whether or not we want to uh, conjecture about this too, too much because it may be too early, but ultimately time will tell. I kind of believe the league wants to get a season in. It all depends, as everybody discusses in any news service, where does the curve get planked and when does the uh, dissension of this whole thing start? Absolutely. I mean, at this point it is out of the league's hands and we're taking direction from the uh, health and medical field and, uh, also, I think you'll see things, uh, governments are starting to make decisions on their own about borders being closed or ability for people to come in. Uh, the province of Manitoba just shut down their borders and has anyone coming in right now uh, having to wait 14 days themselves. And uh, we see that also out in Toronto. Um, you know, large gatherings have been banned, I think, June 30th was just announced today. Yes, and as those continue to be upped and ramped up, as it were, you, we're going to see more and more of these uh I don't know what word you want to apply for the sanction, restriction. There's all yeah, kinds of different ways to sure. describe it. And we've all personally felt it because obviously we're confined to our homes. As, and ultimately, though we want our football and we would love to see our football, we know football is just going to have to take a back seat. And it's subject to this restriction the way everything else in life is. It is. And, uh, you know, football, it is just a game when life is uh, on, on the line. We've got to make sure we, we put it in perspective. But for those of us who are diehard CFL fans, it's going to be difficult to even see a reduced season if that's indeed what we get to. It will be. But the thing is, we only live life day at a time, even an hour at a time, a minute at a time. And if that season is to start, say, in September... We won't be so worried about the time we lost. We'll be so excited about the fact that we can get back to seeing a game. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in our next segment, we're going to bring back Andrew of the Eskimo Empire, and we're going to talk about this whole idea of what does the delay of training camp mean Second down. We'd like to welcome Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast. He is here with us, joining us in to have a good conversation on what makes a viable schedule. Hey, thanks for having us back, guys. Uh, I'm excited to be back and chatting more football. Excellent. We know for a fact that training camps are delayed indefinitely. We know that's going to impact the start of the season. All kinds of things are happening, and it's very fluid. And so by the time we get this podcast aired, lots will have changed. But 
let's just say for a supposition right now that we know the season is going to be delayed. If there's a time crunch, do we need a training camp before a season would start? Wow, it's a tough question, um, which is kind of funny when you think about it. I mean, uh, we've had lots of time to think about it. We knew that it's kind of coming to this point where they're going to have to do uh, a delay for sure, just because we're we're so unstable as it is here. Um, and uh, as far as when we actually get to starting games, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I do think that no matter what which way we get started that there is going to have to be at least a one week kind of training camp um a chance to kind of get some guys you know i don't want to say broken in but back in and working their bodies uh and give the coaches some chances to assess people uh because what they're going to have to do is try and put a roster together in a really fast manner and uh when you you want to get at least the guys a chance to have a little bit of connection with each other before you're starting playing meaningful games so I would say at least a week maybe two but it, that's going to depend on kind of what time frame we're looking at I absolutely agree I think that uh, you know you have to have a training camp if you're the CFL you want to put out a product that is strong on the field it's about the fan base so if, if you don't uh, go through with the training camp it's going to be uh, pretty sloppy football games to begin with so I would agree. I think they'd need at least two weeks to be able to get some kind of unity on the offense and defense so that they can play together as a team. But also, as you said, to, to make sure you've got the right people. You, you know, you've got a lot of athletes that are putting a lot on the line and you want to make sure you've got the best people in the positions that are going to help your team. And that's okay. I, I, I do think that there's, there, there's a little bit of that. There's also a little bit of you've, you've got these guys that you are like they're coming into the CFL for the very first time. And they've never played under the CFL rules. They've never had the chance to play against, you know, uh, a, you know, if they're an offensive lineman, they've never had a chance to go up against a guy like Almondo Sewell. And you need to have those guys have a little bit of experience, obviously not a ton, but, but you want to have them a chance to get to know what the game is before you get into a game. Because otherwise, you put a guy like that into a game like firsthand, there's way higher risk of injury in my mind. Um, if you don't actually know the rules and you're not actually sure where you got to kind of be on the field, especially when you're talking about this much bigger field and all these types of things that they're used to. Um, I, I would really think that you need to have a little bit of that even solely just for player safety. It's, it's important to have that. I think if you are able to put some time in, and as you said earlier, it really does depend on, uh, when the league would potentially be opening up because you're going to be pushed for time and, and uh, you also have to have a, a, a season. So again, what, what does make that viable? I think you could probably do without preseason, Don. What, what's your thought there? Do you think you're, are you running preseason games at this point in time? I think I totally agree with what Andrew had to say. If you don't have a training camp, you're asking for it. In terms of a preseason schedule, I think you're probably going to be hooped on that. I don't think you'll have time. If we're looking at, let's say it's an eight-game schedule starting September, you won't have much time in August to get going. So you're probably going to have to forgive that. My bigger question, though, is let's just get back to this training camp. How many people do you bring in? You've only got two weeks and maybe no games. Well, I know in Edmonton they have over 100 that were on like basically in contract to come to camp and which is nuts. We haven't had that in forever. Uh, I was, well, you're thinking that Chris Jones is coming back to coach you. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe this would be the year where they actually allow pre-practice rosters. I don't. I don't know. Maybe, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I do think that. Uh, I I think that it's gonna it's gonna take some creativity on coaches' parts. Um, much like we're talking now with a lot of people who are trying to learn to work from home and trying to figure out all these ways to still, uh, you know, work together in an environment where we can't be together in this type of environment, it'd just be a little bit different. You, instead of say running everybody in one drill, you might have to have two sides of the field running at the same time so that you can kind of, and it's going to mean those coaches are going to have to pour over film even more so than they already do in the, in the camps, uh, just to basically say, okay, well, this guy is getting a lot of pluses. So he's going to end up being on our roster. And I think, I know you've mentioned it before, but maybe there is something where we have to go, okay, well, we have a, a week of training camp or maybe two, and then we do start the season with maybe a little bit of expanded rosters or practice rosters a little bigger maybe until we have basically that extra couple of weeks to cut down and make sure everybody's in the right spot. And maybe that's the solution. And if especially if we're looking at like a, a eight-game schedule where we're basically playing a round robin, I think that probably is fair for every team because those first two games are going to be kind of a crapshoot. I absolutely agree. Well, I kind of agree. Uh, I think, but what about three days? Could you ever get that with an agreement with the uh, players to go three a days and then get that extra practice time on the field or would it just be too much to ask? I think with the intensity of training camp, that would be very, very difficult. I, I, I could definitely see two a days for a week like I could easily see that um but I know even last year here now that was a regular training camp and much different scenario of course but um there was less two a days in general than there were even the year before so when we're doing a compressed type of idea Maybe it is two a days. Maybe if you're bringing that many guys into camp, maybe you only have certain guys that are doing a morning and certain guys that are doing an afternoon, but you're running them every day. Um, I think there's a little more opportunity to kind of be creative because we're not going to be worried about a preseason game per se. I, I highly doubt that they're going to have preseason games because you'd have to run at least two weeks and there's going to be two teams that are going to have one less game. Like there's no real way to do it fairly um, over to do a preseason. So I would think at this point, because you have that lack of games, you could probably have a little more. Do I think it would ever get to three a days? No, but I could definitely see an increase in two a days. I would agree. I think that, um, you know, the CFLPA has to also look at player safety, but three a day, I I think you're putting players at risk and, uh, you know, this is their livelihood and, and uh, you don't want to be injured just because you're tired on the third time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't you, though, look at it this way where maybe the veterans go in the morning and the rookies go at lunch and then the two of them get together later in the day? Uh, it's entirely possible. I, I don't know if that leaves the coaches with enough time to assess film and see where those guys land, though. I mean, I, I really think that, as I was talking about before, with just giving some of those rookies the opportunity to play the game, that you'd kind of want them playing against some veterans so that they kind of know what they're in for. I, I know in past 
training camps, we've seen guys that have come in and uh, by week two, they've decided, you know, uh, maybe football isn't my thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know that uh, we, you know, we, we want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to actually play and, and get an idea of what they're in for in this league. So I think you'd want to have as many of them together as possible on a, on a regular basis. One of the other questions I think that comes up is, um, you know, in, in the event that uh, the border is not open, does the CFL make any attempt at all to play with Canadian players only? Is this something that you would see happening or is this uh, an alternate league just to let players have an opportunity to play within their country if the boundaries and borders don't open up? Yeah, I think that's a big concern right now just because we know that the States is in such a different position even than we are. Not, not to say that we have it a million times better, but it's def- it, it definitely a, a bigger issue in the States right now. And um, of course, the majority of our players are coming from there. <laughs> so that would, uh, it, it definitely poses an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. My only thing that I'd be, I guess my only concern is, do we have enough Canadian players that have gone through even a, a collegiate system that could play in the CFL and do we have an all Canadian league for one year? I can't say that I would be real upset about it. Um, I mean, hey, it, it's football. So let's uh, let's take counter blessings while we can. But um, I'm just not sure that they would be able to have enough players to field what we would deem as a, as a CFL game, right? So I could see where the CFL might actually turn around and do more of a, okay, well, let's maybe throw our support behind collegiate sports that are in Canada already, and maybe they get a little more attention in that time and and then turn things around. But it's not, a, not I guess it could, could happen. I just, I'm not sure that I see it. I know there are players that do stay the winter in Canada. And the CFL and the CFLPA have been certainly trying to incentivize these people to stick around in the off season. So you would have some international yep. available to you. It's just the question of, depending on the team, you may have eight on this team, three on another, and then the whole issue of quarterbacks. Of course. You've got to, you've got to get 18 quarterbacks, and I'm guaranteeing that there aren't 18 quarterbacks that stayed the winter from the U.S. last year. <laughs> That's right, and it's a quarterback-driven league here. Without uh, quarterbacks, I think that that would be the number one concern I would have, I think, if we were taking a look at uh, bringing Canadian players in, is the caliber of quarterbacking, and, and again, the caliber of the league, too. It, does the league want to put out a product that uh, you know is, is has a bunch of people that have been out of football for some time or haven't played football at that level, as you said, Andrew? Yeah, that's a great point, too, is that uh, just, you know, what – what what does the CFL want to put on the field if they want to come back and, and they want to be um, showing games? Do they, do they want to have games that are real CFL? And and that's the balance of having those great Canadian players and great American players. So um, be interesting to see what they're what they decide on that. I think one of the other uh, questions that we have is what what makes up a, a a season? Like how many games? does a league need to have to be a viable season? So in the event the borders open up and there is ability for players to come into Canada, um, you know, we know our temperatures in Canada start to drop uh, as we move into the, the late fall and into winter in some cases. Um, you know, how many games are we going to need in this league for this to be viable where people are going to want to see it um, or potentially, you know, um, attend games if they're allowed to do so? And, and what... Will the CFL accept? There's been talk of an eight 
game? Yeah, I, I think the the minimum games would have to be eight. Um, I, I don't think you can go in any lower than that. Um, cause it, at eight, it's basically a round robin, right? Everybody plays everybody once and then you have playoffs and away you go. Well, well Don's probably going to argue that side because, uh, the, uh. <laughs> Don's not in everyone plays everyone once. He wants the East and West, right? Don, it's your turn. Let's, let's talk about this, Don. <laughs> you bet. It, it, I want the West to play the West and the East to play the East and then one through three in each division make the playoffs and away you go. I don't see the, the equity in playing a round robin because, okay, if Saskatchewan has to go to Montreal and play them on Sunday morning, we know what happens at, on Crescent Street on Saturday night. So it was, it's guaranteed win day for the Alouettes. <laughs> if, you know, like it depends who you wind up facing in the East and for the East, who they come to in the West. Some stadiums are definitely tougher to win in in the West than others. It really makes it imbalanced. I think what you have to do is home and home with Winnipeg, home and home with Edmonton, home and home with BC, home and home with whomever in the West, and you play your eight games out West. And then out East, you play uh, three against two and two against one other, and you've got your eight. And top dogs make it to the Grey Cup after the playoffs. That would also cut down on travel, right, Tom? Absolutely, which is another factor, I think, to think about in terms of revenues for the league when they're already shelving 10 games because of COVID. Yeah, well, and I'm, I'm not in complete disagreement with you. Um, I, I do... I, I don't have a problem with them, especially when you said they're going to be obviously lacking some uh, revenue because they're losing some of those other games. So to try and keep the travel to a minimum would be great, right? Uh, definitely not going to to argue that. And and at this point, again, I'd, I'd be happy with whichever way they set it up. I I like it both ways only just because I do like the fact that, you know, you, uh, I like to play every team. I, I like to see some of those other teams come out here and, and vice versa. So I, I kind of like both sides, but would I be totally upset if it was just you only play your own division and then you play playoffs? No, but would I, would I like to see all the teams play each other at some point? Yes. See, Don, this, this makes two against one because I have to agree. I like the idea of people being together and, and uh, playing all the teams once. That way it's a balanced season. There is no, um, you know, there's the, to me it's a balanced at least. I know you talk about East-West, but I think when it's balanced, uh, you can take a look at different playoff formats as well. Put everyone in the, in the league and take the top three or, or look at the wild card type of situation. I, I know, Don, you're not a fan of the seeding, but I, I love it. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I agree. Yep. Put the put the top teams in. Put the top team. Well, the other thing. But they're in anyway. The first place teams are always in. <laughs> you're talking about the third place team in the East. Andrew, I think you're going to have to join our podcast more. Is is the team that you're kind of picking on? And I've always argued, if you don't keep the East motivated to have playoff dates, revenue dates, and everything else, how are you going to justify keeping this league around? Uh, like, no, I, you've got to have the East have their own playoff dates. <laughs> it, it is. I I agree with you. But why why would what what is the motivating fact? And I'm not saying that they don't they go out with the intention of losing. If if you're in the East and the teams are always that little bit weaker which seems to have happened and I don't understand it because they they do they do rotate obviously I mean there was a long time there that Hamilton was the one that was no good and now they're very good and uh obviously we had 3 4 years there recently where Montreal was horrible and now they've improved but 
when you look at that that division on and I'm not saying no divisions. I'm just saying that I I liked the idea of the first place teams in each division getting the bye and they will have their their home playoff game. And then you you seed the rest based on what their record was in the year because if you're if you're Ottawa or you're Toronto I understand there's a drive to get better, but if you actually had to, it, it, it puts a lot more pressure on management as far as I'm concerned, get the right guys on the field, get the right coaching in place so that you can actually get back in to having that play home playoff date and they, they will get home playoff dates. It will happen. It just, I, I think there's, I think there's a little more competitiveness across and you look at um, end of the year it that competitiveness is still there for who gets to who gets the number one seed and who gets the you know who gets that home playoff game. It could change between either league so or either division. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm good with that. I, I don't think that's a, such a bad thing. I think it's kind of fun. I, I hate decision day. Don't do that. But I do I do <laughs> like awful. the I, I I do like the I do like the rest. Yeah. If you were in this case um, to change the CFL, it's a shortened season, so you've got basically a nine-team league as opposed to two divisions. I think in this situation, it would give you an opportunity to test that system out, and I'm 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 all for that. So, Andrew, I think you and I are on the same side, and I know <laughs> we we will not convince Don because I've been trying for years, and it never changes. So. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't think I would convince him. I'm just saying that I I think I think there's I think there's merits to both ways. I guess that's my thing. Okay, but if let's okay, Pat brings up the point though. We play an eight game schedule, and I think if you go one one with a bye, and then the next four into the wild card, I think then you have to play a round robin. You cannot play in your division in your division and then ap- apply that system. There's not enough time to play round robin. Right. Well, no. Well, there is. I mean, you play eight games. Oh, I see. Oh, you're talking in the, in the league schedule. I thought you were talking the playoffs. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I get you now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, eight games. Your, your schedule. No, no, no. The, the schedule is basically your round robin. Yeah. Yeah. And I think under that circumstance, then you're open to this because you've only played everybody once and who knows, right? Right. And then it's, and then it, it truly becomes the league of uh, any given Friday? Because I guess it won't be Sunday. But, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> well, and that's true too. I mean, scheduling on another level, got to get stadiums. You don't. You can't just pick up the schedule where you left off and say, okay, no. we can start here and move forward. You have to reorient a lot of things, and that would be really, really difficult. You, we've talked before about how the scheduling is so brutal in terms of how to appease everybody. Well, good, my goodness, how do you do it now? Oh, it it would be very, very difficult, especially when you think about some of these teams that share their stadium with soccer teams and, and that type of thing. I I think it, 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 no matter when you have to make a schedule, it's going to be difficult. Um, But you'd have to think that now that they've delayed training camp, that those discussions have already started. How do we, how do we make an eight game schedule and how do we work with these teams? How do we make a 12 games? I, I hope it's 12. Uh, how do we make that schedule and how do we work with these stadiums? I'm sure those conversations are already happening because they know there's going to be a delay. Well, and the other option may be, and I'm just throwing this out, how willing are the fans going to be to be gathering in big groups right, right upon the end of the COVID-19 situation? You may be taking a look at just a TV 
only type of league for this year as well. Absolutely. And I actually just had that point raised to me today. I hadn't even thought of that is because for me, I mean, <laughs> it's so funny. I would think about it more then, but in this moment, it's just like, what do you mean? There's football. I'll be there. <laughs> like set up the tailgate. Let's get the barbecue going and let's have a beer and get to the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. True fans would. But uh, I mean, you're right. Uh, if, if it's calmed, but not away, how comfortable are we sitting in in a stadium with uh, 20,000, 30,000 other people um, where there is no chance of distancing? You're basically sitting on top of one another. So, yeah, it, it, who knows how that'll play out as well. The question there becomes um, also for the league in terms of revenues. We're a gate-driven uh, league. Mm-hmm. And if you're not putting people in the stands or people aren't coming because even though it's open, they're still scared to gather and congregate in large groups. That has an impact, uh, and so the league's going to have a lot to consider as we move forward. Absolutely. Although you'd have to think at some point TSN says, oh my goodness, yes, we really need to have some live content. <laughs> yes. So I'm sure that there might be a little bit of, okay, well, let's throw a little extra money and, and just make the game happen that we can show. I mean, you'd have to also think in, in their benefit, the TSN Go subscriptions would go way up if now there's actual games on TV. Absolutely. I just wonder though, because if you're going to get to the point where the CFL says, okay, we're good to play, you don't think that there would be a whole host of preconditions before they could play, which would also make a person such as me say, hey, if they can go, I can go. Yeah, I think, well, obviously, I mean, there'd have to be a lot of clearances as far as how many people can be in one area to start with mm-hmm. uh, before they even can consider putting a game on. Um, because even just with the players, we're talking about, uh, you know, those first couple of games with the possibility of expanded rosters. And you're you're talking about having, you know, 100 and, 130, 150 people between all of the, the team staff and then the players all out on a field that's they're really not that far apart for most of the games. So there's a lot of even that concern, right? How does that, uh, how, how do they deal with that before they even get to the fan part? So yeah, there's going to be a lot of things they're going to have to clear before we're allowed to get back close to the stadium. It just, uh, the logistics get tougher and tougher and tougher. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A year without the CFL is definitely going to be hard on us as hardcore fans. Oh, it's it's hard on it's hard on us. It's hard on the league we love. It's hard on uh, all of the people that want to get together as part of the CFL family. And uh, I, yeah, I I can't at this moment imagine it. And yet, uh, it uh, I guess after the last few weeks, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. So we cross yeah cross everything we have two of and hope we get there. Third Down Gamble. Remember, for proper social distancing, if you are close enough to shake hands, you are too close. Let's all do our part as responsible citizens to flatten the curve. Well, Don, we had an excellent interview with Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast today. Um, It's always a pleasure to have him on our show. He has just a walking wealth of knowledge and great candor. I really appreciate everything he did. I'm so impressed with him. He is just so giving of his time to us, which was really nice. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. It got a little exciting for me. <laughs> well, we, we've said it before on this show, but uh, just like Monty Python, sometimes we're here for the argument. <laughs> That's true. 
And we, don't, we just don't want a contradiction. We do want an argument. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you're a CFL fan, we highly recommend that, that you take a listen to the Eskimo Empire podcast. Both Mike and Andrew do a fantastic job. And if you're a CFL fan, it's a must listen to. It's a must listen to. And also now live video feeds that they're doing on YouTube. It's really interesting. Uh, they do get some ex-Eskimo uh, players coming on the show every once in a while. So if you're a CFL fan or if you're an Eskimos fan, it's well worth giving those guys a look or a listen because I find them highly entertaining. And Superfan Mike is just an amazing stats machine. A wealth of knowledge for sure, Don. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. That's spelled at T-H-I-R-D-D-O-W-N-G-A-M-B-L-E. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio. Worth watching.